Diversity and inclusion. The maritime industry is changing. So what does that look like and what does it mean for the future of shipping? You and I are going to speak with a representative from the United States government's Maritime Administration. We're going to talk about diversity and inclusion. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is an online organization and resource center supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Today on the show, I'm pleased to bring Dr. Shashi Kumar, Master Mariner and Deputy Associate Administrator and National Coordinator of Maritime Education and Training at the Maritime Administration of the U.S. Government. His career spans four decades in the maritime industry, with exceptional academic and maritime industry leadership experience all over the globe. He is the founding dean of the Loeb Sullivan School of International Business and Logistics at the Maine Maritime Academy, where he is an emeritus professor and the 12th chief academic officer at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, where he also served three terms as the interim superintendent. As a Fulbright Senior Specialist assigned to the Republic of Ireland in 2012, Dr. Kumar assisted Irish public-private partners in their research capacity building initiatives. Dr. Kumar has been recognized for his contributions to the maritime industry. Among his many rewards, he received the U.S. Maritime Service Distinguished Service Bronze Medal in 2009, and in 2010, he received the U.S. Transportation Secretary's Silver Medal for Executive Leadership. Dr. Kumar has published extensively, including the 15 most recent editions of the annual U.S. Merchant Marine and World Maritime Review for the U.S. Naval Institute Proceedings. He has held visiting professor appointments at the Indian Institute of Management, Memorial University in Canada, the World Maritime University in Sweden, the Shanghai Maritime University in China, and the Pontifical Catholic University in Puerto Rico. Welcome, Dr. Kumar. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I really want to talk about diversity and inclusion and how the industry is changing. Thank you for being here. Ali, thank you. Thank you for the your, your welcome. I'm very happy to be here and look forward to speaking with you. Great. Dr. Kumar, can you please start out by sharing how you got started in the maritime industry? Well, I was born in a port city in southern India several, several years ago. Um, and as a young kid growing up there, I used to watch these beautiful, well-lit ships tied up alongside the ar- harbor and um, a lot of work going on, cargo coming in, cargo going out, mariners coming out, you know, going back after their vacation, I mean, after their shore leave. And so it was fascinating. I've, I've always enjoyed looking at the water and looking at all the commercial activities going on in my home port back there. Um, you know, it was it was something that called me, you know, the desire to go across the oceans and see places and um, see, a, see a different part of the world. So that's what really led me, a passion for the sea and to see new places and meet new people and explore um, new new world. I bet it's been an exciting career. Now you are working at the Maritime Administration of the U.S. government under the Department of Transportation. 
Can you share with us what your current role is? Sure. I mean, uh, yes, it was an exciting career for me at sea. I spent about 10 years. During those 10 years, I had the privilege of visiting 69 countries, which I think is exceptional. And I also got paid for doing that, which is even better. But uh, coming back to my, my, my current job, my current position, uh, what I do at the Maritime Administration right now is overseeing all aspects of maritime education. So in that capacity, I work with all the academies, the state academies, as well as the Federal Merchant Marine Academy. I also work with the maritime labor unions, uh, community colleges that offer maritime programs, maritime high schools, training institutions, you name it, anything that has to do with the education training of mariners or maritime related careers, I have an interest in it. Looking at the workforce in the maritime industry in the United States, as companies become more inclusive and diverse, what does that mean to you? And what does that mean to Marad? That, that's an excellent question. What does this mean? Uh, I wanted to make sure that I was going to answer your question uh, properly, that I even checked with our civil rights office. Am I okay with my perspectives? And I'm, I'm very pleased to say that uh, my views are pretty much the same as those of uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation slash MARAD. Uh, yes, diversity is extremely important, and we are looking for a diverse workforce, but having the diversity alone doesn't mean much unless you are also inclusive, which to us means engaging our workforce, women, minorities, um, and any, you know, the ethnic groups and so forth, engaging them, involving them in decision-making, giving them the opportunity to grow, mentoring them, building that next generation of leaders for the federal government as well as for the maritime sector. I think that's what it means to us. So it's not just about giving numbers as to how many women work for us or how many ethnic minorities work for us. I think what we are looking for is engaging them, involving them, making them part of the decision-making process, nurturing them so that they can occupy positions of responsibilities in future years. Do you see the maritime industry becoming more inclusive? I do see signs of that because, you know, you are increasingly seeing more women in leadership positions and organizations such as yours giving that encouragement for women to, 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 to reassure them that there are others who can support you and guide you. Uh, I think it is, it is fabulous. It's fascinating that you all do that. So, Yes, I do see women rising in the corporate ladder. Uh, in fact, we have some, at least a couple of women who occupy CEO-level positions in the cruise shipping industry. Uh, and also from a commercial sector, there are some companies which are headed by women. And uh, a number of women who serve in significant board-level uh, membership at various companies. So I do see a significant increase in the role of women in the maritime industry in general. In a completely inclusive industry, I would like to think that there would be no sexual assault and sexual harassment. I know that last year, with the support of MARAD, there was a sexual assault, sexual harassment prevention guide that was published. Could you share why that was started and some of the process of creating it? Yes, this was started as a result of the CEO standout at your alma mater, 
the Federal Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point. As you know, in 2016, June, all of a sudden, the CEO program at the academy came to a complete standstill. All midshipmen were asked to get off the commercial vessels. They were allowed to remain on board the, the government vessels, such as the Navy fleets, the MSC ships, but all commercial vessels, the midshipmen were asked to sign off. And the next step for us was to design what sort of criteria should be there in place to review the policies and procedures of those shipping companies prior to sending the midshipmen back on board those vessels. As a result of which, we came up with certain criteria, which also required educating the mariners in these areas, such as prevention of sexual assault, sexual harassment, uh, enhancing the quality of work life on board ships in general. And then the question was, what sort of training should they undergo? Well, some companies obviously are well advanced in these areas and some are not. So those companies with uh, the wherewithal capability and the capacity to have their own very extensive educational training programs in these areas had some materials, but vast majority of the companies we found did not have any current materials to train mariners in these areas. So the next question was, well, if it's not there right now, let's make our own because there was no other option. So we, we reviewed all the existing materials which we found to be somewhat dated as a result of which we wanted to create our own programs. And the next best option was rather than be the federal government trying to create training programs for mariners from our perspective, let's engage the industry. Let the industry tell us what's the best way to train their employees, their workers, their mariners, based on what's going on in the real world, not just in the maritime sector, but across the board, every industry. So let them take all those best practices from every sector of the economy, bring them together, distill them, and come up with a training program that would be appropriate for our employees, which are, when I say our employees, I mean the mariners working on board ships. So the bottom line was we gave a contract to Ship Operations Cooperative Program, also known as the SOCP, which is an association of um, all ship operators based here in the U.S. and some others, such as the labor unions, maritime academies, and so on and so forth. Um, as per the contract, they were asked to produce certain, certain products, such as a computer-based training program and others. And I think your specific question was about um, uh, the prevention guide, which is the best practices guide. So that was the first product that they produced. I probably took them about three or four months to come up with that. And um, I think it has been very good. It has been used by several companies at this point. Were there any surprises that came about when writing the prevention guide? I don't think so. I believe, you know, we, we actually, obviously, we maintained a hands-off approach. We did not want to micromanage the project. Although our our team members were part of the SOCP team too. We had at least two people working with the SOCP members in designing those products. From what I know, the there was complete consensus as to what should be there. There were no surprises. And all, all their deliverables were reviewed by our legal team and our officers. And in general, we found everything to be exactly what we expected. Nothing, nothing surprising, absolutely nothing. So how else can the industry be more inclusive? I think the, 
education obviously plays a big role because obviously education applies to all the men, the women, minorities, you name it. Everybody needs to be better educated about inclusion and diversity and why we need inclusion and diversity. To me, that's that's extremely important. That certainly opens up the mind, opens up their window of knowledge, and every window you open, it's like a new world that they'll be looking at. And I also think it's important to have that individual commitment on the part of each and every one going out to see, to foster that healthy work environment, uh, mutual respect, and treat everybody fairly and equally and with respect. So say I'm a captain. What can I do today to ensure the culture on board my vessel is inclusive? Well, if if I'm the captain or if you were the captain, I think uh, the first thing we all should know is that it all starts from the top. The captain sets the tone. As a person who sailed, I'm sure you fully appreciate that, and so do I. And then people are watching how the captain behaves. How do you behave with your with your junior officers or even senior officers? Do you treat them with respect? Do you engage them or do you just keep shouting orders left, right, and center? You know, the mariners sometimes can be uh, sometimes not so perceptive to those sort of attitudes, you know. So it's really important how you treat your actions, your words, your deeds. All those are important. I'm sure from King's Point, you're over ACTA, non verba. I think in this case, ACTA as well as verba, both are important. It's really, you know, your actions, your words, your deeds, all those things are equally important in sending the right message. Letting the people know that uh, hey, this is a professional work environment. Everybody needs to be treated with respect. It doesn't matter how big you are, how tall you are, you know, what's your gender or what's your nationality, what's the color of your skin. The main thing is getting the work done professionally and safely so that we all can, can go back at the end of our voyage uh, safe and sound and not pollute the environment also on top of that and the oceans. Do you have any advice for women or even minorities who think that they cannot make it in this industry? Well, I I will be the first to say that this industry is not for everybody. But there is a very old saying dating back to, I think, 10th century BC or something, which says there are three kinds of people, the dead, the living, and those that go to sea. <laughs> this is not really the ideal industry for everybody. It takes a special kind of person to be at sea. So. If the sea is not the right place for you, well, maybe you shouldn't look at the sea. But having said that, for anybody who has the passion to sail, to work on board ships, I believe the opportunity should be there. My advice to them, you know, if you have that passion to sail the seven seas and see new places and enjoy working in a, in a good professional environment, um, what I would say is, you know, don't let anything hold you back. You know, let your passion take over. You know, I mean. Certainly, you should look at joining one of the maritime academies. In this day and age, if you want to be an officer, uh, unlike the earlier years, the, the horse pipe option is really not a great option these days. You really have to go to an academy and get the education from there, get your credentials, and, and start working. And, you know, and of course, there are other options too. Like in, right now, in this nation, we have around 65 maritime high schools. So, if you really want to find out if you have an appetite for the ocean, perhaps you can look at some of those maritime high schools and see if the career tracks they introduced you there at that level doesn't make any sense. And there's also a newer option that's going to become available pretty soon. There is a whole lot of community colleges which are getting into maritime careers. But there's a legislation that was enacted last year which would 
allow us, the Department of Transportation, to designate these community colleges that offer maritime training programs as centers of excellence for domestic maritime education and training. For um, sailing carriers, primarily in the offshore and maybe in the coastal waters and so on and so forth, but also carriers uh, ashore, such as working in shipyards, uh, working in the port, uh, becoming a marine welder. So all those options are possibly going to happen. So there are lots of avenues to find out whether or not this is the right career for you. And if you have that passion for being at sea, and if you do find that you have that passion, as I said earlier, don't let anything hold you back. I think um, uh, shipping is a, I sincerely hope shipping has changed. I, I believe the maritime careers have changed. Um, it is a very professional environment as far as most people are concerned. And people are there to take care of you and make sure that you have a good professional working environment. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Kumar, for coming on the Women Offshore podcast. Really appreciate you here and all your advice. Thank you, Ali. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. On the next episode, I interview a woman who's becoming a maritime pilot. We talk about her career, where she's been, and where she's going. Until next time, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon.